Greetings and salutations. What's up, everybody? ESK on Friday, August 18th, which means usually it's the Friday double dip and we're here setting up the punch drunk predictions or the betting show. But today for UFC 292, we're combining the two into one and calling it the UFC 292 picks and plays. The reason I'm doing so is in going through and laying out my thoughts and ideas and the plays that I wanted to make for this show for this event tomorrow in Boston, there just weren't a lot of plays that I wanted to make. And being down, looking to get working in the right direction again, I didn't want to go chasing a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't have. It's not even necessarily that I don't have confidence in some of the picks or some of the potential wagers. There's just not a lot of of lines. There's not a lot of props that I like this week. And so rather than putting together two shows, splitting them apart, we're going to go through the entire lineup regardless. Let's just do it all in one fell swoop. Knock this thing out in one shot. Picks and play style like we used to do over at Severe MMA. Myself and Ian O'Neill. Shout out to IO. Shout out to the boys at Severe as always. Before we get into that stuff, let's cover some ground. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Kite. Follow the guys on OneBone at OneBone Brand. All the good stuff is out there. Check it out on their on their Insta. Check it out on the website, onebonebrand.com, ESK20 at checkout for all your apparel needs, 20% off of your apparel needs, I should say. Check out the Substack, spencerkite.substack.com, the Keyboard Camor newsletter, all the good stuff I put out into the world straight into your inbox every time I hit publish. $0, $5 a month, 50 bucks for the year. However you subscribe, I greatly appreciate it. As we are going to be covering some wagering selections in this program. Please remember to game, gamble responsibly. If you or a loved one is having issues with problem gambling, consult the show notes. There will be links to gambling awareness and helplines for Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, and Ireland in the notes for you to for you to check out and or pass along. As always, my DMs are open if you want to reach out and talk to somebody about it. I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. I'm here to do whatever I can to help you or your loved one deal with this situation because it's just meant to be fun. As always, these are numbers on a spreadsheet for me. This is just a way for me to have a little bit of additive fun with this fight card that I'm fired up for, that I'm looking forward to. And we're going to get right to it. We didn't do any picks last week, so there's nothing to recap. We don't need to go all the way back to, to Nashville. We had an okay day that day in terms of the picks. We lost a little bit of money in terms of the plays. That's all we need to know. We're resetting here in Boston. We're resetting in the hub with UFC 292. It starts with Aljamain Sterling or it closes out officially, but we start going top to bottom with Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley in the Bantamweight Championship fight. And my pick is Aljamain Sterling. And still, I think Sean O'Malley has a ton of talent. I think he can absolutely win this fight. I think he can go out and put his hands on Aljamain Sterling. But the thing that swings me in favor of Aljo are actually a couple of things. First and foremost, he's been there. He's done this. And as much as I think Sean O'Malley is someone that will rise to the occasion and continue to rise to the occasion as he did against Piotr Jan last time out, five-round fights are different. Championship fights are different. Headlining pay-per-views is different. This is the first time Sean O'Malley's walking out second last with 20,000 people in the building, many of whom are there 
hoping to see his coronation. And while he plays the role of superstar exceptionally well, we haven't seen him thrive in that position yet. I have no questions about whether Aljamain Sterling is ready, focused, and capable on Saturday night. I have those answers in the last three championship fights where he's earned three consecutive victories, two in ultra-close competitive fights against former champions. The other part of it for me is that while I do think Sean O'Malley has great hands and great footwork and great movement, I don't know that he's knocking out Aljamain Sterling. Now, that can be totally wrong. He could go out there and put a right hand on him, put those paws on him, and get Aljo out of there as he's been promising to do all week. And you could look back at this and look to me and I would sit here on Sunday and go, yeah, I got that dead wrong. But I don't think it's going to happen. The only time Aljo's been knocked out in the UFC was that weird sort of catching a knee to the side of the head against Marlon Marais. And conversely, in terms of the execution of skills, execution of game plans, I know that Aljamain Sterling is going to go out there and wrestle. And I don't know that Sean O'Malley is going to be able to deal with Aljamain Sterling when he gets him to the ground. Piotr Jan took Sean O'Malley down like five or six times. And Piotr Jan isn't anywhere near the wrestler that Aljamain Sterling is. And I obvious that's an obvious point. The thing that makes Sterling so good is that he needs just one. He just needs to get you down once because his ability to get to spots where he is dominant, where he can be effective, where he can move forward and chain and progress is second to none in the UFC right now. It's elite. It's outstanding. He gets on your back. And as he says, it's a rap rap. That might not mean a finish, but it means the rest of that round you're hanging out on the ground. And all he's got to do, and people aren't going to like that I say this, all he's got to do is salt away three rounds like that. And then it's and still. And then it's Sean O'Malley has to chase a finish. And when you go chasing, it's harder because you're reaching, you're swinging, and Aljamain Sterling can change levels underneath you and put you on the ground again. I think that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see a very grappling heavy performance, as always, from Aljamain Sterling. I think he's going to be looking to get finishes. He always is. We're going to find out if Sean O'Malley can fend it off. But I think Aljo retains the title and sets up some stuff that makes next year really interesting. As I said earlier in the week, I spoke to him before this one. The plan, the ideal, everything goes according to Hoyle. Beat Sean O'Malley, set sights on 145 and Alexander Volkanovsky, and then we go from there. I think we get step one of that plan comes to fruition this weekend. Aljamain Sterling retains his title, defeats Sean O'Malley, and then starts looking at 45. Co-main event, Zhang Wei Li versus Amanda Lemos for the strawweight title. My pick is Zhang Wei Li. I think she is simply the more well-rounded, more complete, more dynamic overall fighter. Similar to the main event, there are certainly avenues and ways that I can see Amanda Lemos winning this fight and garnering this victory. She's big power. She's proven to be a opportunistic finisher thus far in the UFC. We saw that in the Michelle Watterson Gomez fight, got her hurt, grabbed onto a neck. Didn't even really get her hurt that bad, but grabbed onto a neck when Watterson Gomez decided to wrestle and kind of panic wrestle a little bit and got the finish. 
But I don't think Zhang Wei Li is going to be panicking in this fight. I don't think she's going to be reaching and rushing for takedowns. I think she's going to be able to close the distance similar to how Jessica Andrade did behind big shots, behind big pressure and big power and get to spots she wants to go to. I think we have seen in the last couple of fights, the continued evolution of Zhang Wei Li. I think working with the crew at Bangtao is doing her a lot of good. I think the Hickman brothers are teaching her and instilling in her that her wrestling can make her dominant. She went out there and had those stand-up fights with Joanna Yenjechik. And there were points in that Rose Nami Yunus fight in between the two, not the first one where she got knocked out right away, but the second one that went the distance where she struggled on the ground and she wasn't able to wrestle effectively. And I think that became the impetus for improving that because you see the strength, you see the power, you see the athleticism, and you just know that it should be something that she's able to parlay into great success. She absolutely housed Carla Esparza. And while I think Amanda Lemos presents more trouble and more challenges than Carla Esparza, I think we could see a similar result. Zhang Weili going out, wrestling heavy, wrestling hard, getting to good positions, and then chasing finishes where she basically gives Amanda Lemos a dilemma of, do you want these hands or do you want to give me your neck? Take your pick because you're getting one or the other. And I think it ends that way. And I think this starts being a big run for Zhang Weili atop this division. She didn't really get there in the first run with the title, right? Defended the belt once against Yuan Yan Jaychik. Great performance, but then couldn't couldn't build, couldn't parlay that win into more. Got knocked out by Rose, lost the rematch, had to work her way back to the title. She's in a position now, potentially, to go on a little run. Rose Nami Yunus isn't at strawweight right now. She is next to fight at flyweight against Manon Fioro. Carla Sparza, we already took care of that problem. Yuana Yinjechik has retired. Aunt Jessica Andraj hasn't been able to win a fight of late. So it's just a bunch of new challengers ahead of Zhang Weili if she goes out and retains this title, as I think she will on Saturday. Potentially the start of a dominant run for the Chinese standout. Welterweight fight, Ian Machado Gary versus Neil Magny. My pick is Ian Machado Gary. As I said yesterday in 10 things, this is his biggest test. It's the kind of fight I love for a guy like him in his position, 25 years old, undefeated, ascending the ranks, coming off his best performance to date inside the octagon. First round knockout win over Daniel Rodriguez. There's some trickiness to it. I liked seeing them get in each other's mug a little bit and get talking with each other a little bit at the press conference yesterday. I assume they will again today when they face off at ceremonial weigh-ins after both making weight this morning. I have to go with the younger, more dynamic, more powerful fighter in this matchup. Absolutely have to. And it's, and it's no shade to Neil Magny. But I will say that same caveat that I have made all week about this fight. Ian Gary needs to be dialed all the way in. This needs to be a go out and there's no fucking around performance. As I put it to Harry when we were talking about it earlier in the week. This needs to be a replica of the Daniel Rodriguez fight. I'm going to go out. I'm going to set my range. I'm going to get my reads. And then I'm going to fire. And I'm not going to give this guy a chance to have any success whatsoever. Because if Neil Magny gets a hold of you and starts grappling and starts clinching 
and starts battling there, time gets peeling off the clock and it starts getting challenging and it starts getting closer. I think the Irishman can go out and dominate this fight. He has looked fantastic thus far. There's no specific reason to believe that that will not be the case on Saturday and going forward, but I really just want to see it. And I should mention, I haven't really said it yet. There's been no plays yet. There's been no plays. I will say, I will get to them as we get to the fights. And and trust me, there's only three fights where I've got plays. They're on the prelims. I'm just staying away. Like the main event, the, the line is a little rich for me in terms of the money line and Aljo being a favorite. The finish prop on Aljo is a little lighter than I would like it to be. Same with the Zhang Wei-Li Amanda Lemos fight. Ian, Ian Gary is a minus 500 favorite, which is stay away territory for me, but I'm also not going to go chasing Neil Magny because I don't think he really has a great enough opportunity to win this fight for me to get there. And so for right now, first three fights, powder dry, money in my pocket, we're not going anywhere. But there will be some coming up and we will get to the parlays at the very end of the show. Bantamweight fight, second one of the main card, third one of three on the main card, I should say, Mario Batista and Damone Blackshear. My pick is Mario Batista. It has not a lot to do with the fact that Damone Blackshear is coming in on short notice and cutting weight for a second straight week after getting a win last weekend over Jose Johnson and everything to do with the upside I see in Mario Batista. I believe in this kid. I think he's very good. I think this is actually a much better test than people understand. And it worries me a little bit. It frustrates me a little bit, as I said earlier in the week, in talking about Mario Batista, wondering when he's going to get a break. I can already hear the, yeah, but he fought a guy that was coming in on seven days notice and cutting weight for a second time in seven days. I understand that those criticisms and that those rationales are going to come in, but I think Mario Batista can go out here. And even if Damone Blackshear was full camp, not off a fight, he could dominate. And I think Damone Blackshear is a very good fighter. I think he's going to have a long career in the middle of the bantamweight division and probably, potentially, even in that second 15, maybe towards the back end of it. But he's already proven in these last couple of wins that he's a very good fighter. Even in those early non-wins, those non-victories, the draw with Yusuf Zalal, the loss to Farad Basharat, who is an undefeated, very good prospect on the ascent fighting in Paris in a couple of weeks' time. He showed he belongs, fought good competition on the way up. But I think Mario Batista can go out here and get a fifth straight win. And then it becomes what I talked about on, on Wednesday on one question. Then it becomes you step forward and say, give me a top 15 opponent. Get me in the rankings because I've won five straight and get me a top 15 opponent. I think this is a showcase opportunity, a statement opportunity for Mario Batista. And I think he gets the job done. Main card opener staying in the Bantamweight division. Marlon Chido Vera and Pedro Munoz. My pick is Vera and I'm not very comfortable with it. I'm not very confident in it. I think dynamically, when I look at this stylistically, it has the potential to play out like a, I was going to say like the Rob Font fight, but Pedro Munoz has a little bit more crack to him than that. And, and truthfully, Rob Font now has a little bit more crack to him or at least he did in the fight with Adrian Yanez. But I think Vera is the kind of guy that isn't going to have two poor performances in a row 
and the fight with Corey Sanhagen was a poor performance. I don't care that it was a split decision. Nobody believes it should have been a split decision. The judge that scored it for Cheeto Vera was on something that day. I think this is an opportunity for Cheeto to go out there and sort of immediately remind people of why he was on that ascent. Pedro Munoz is going to come forward, is going to be in his face, is going to force him to fire. And I think Cheeto can fire, will fire. I don't know that he finds his chin and puts him out, but I think we can see a lot of leg kicks on both sides. I think we see a lot of right hands. I think we see a really scrappy back and forth performance where Cheeto Vera does just enough to get the victory and get himself moving in the right direction again. Move to the prelims. Chris Weidman versus Brad Tavares at middleweight Weidman's first fight in well over two years since the leg break in the fight with Uriah Hall. And my pick is Brad Tavares. Chris Weidman has said all of the right things this week about why he wants to come back, but he's also said some things that distress me a little bit, that worry me a little bit. He's doing the, I'm trying to convince myself and you that I'm still in my prime, that I'm I'm right around the corner from turning this around. And at 39, coming off more than two years on the shelf and a grisly, gruesome leg break, that's just not who you are. And if Chris Weidman begins to prove me wrong this weekend, Sunday, right here, huge mea culpa. But he talked with Mark Ramonde, or, or Mark talked to him in one of the media sessions this week. And Chris said, look, I needed some of those losses. I needed, I needed to lose to learn who I was, to, to learn to go through some adversity. That's fine when it's one or two, right? You went through the adversity losing to Lou Grockhold. You went through the adversity losing to Yoel Romero. Even if you want to say losing to Gegard Mousasi. But there's more after that. And it's not, they're not pretty. They're not good. And so I sit here and wonder, is this a guy that has convinced himself I can make one more run because he doesn't know how to divorce himself from being Chris Weidman, UFC superstar, middleweight champ, always a contender. I would be way more comfortable if Chris Weidman came into this and was like, look, I just want to go back in there. I don't want the last time I was in the octagon to be that moment. I don't have any expectations of myself. I don't have any expectations for where this is going to go. I just want to go out and see what I can do against a very good opponent, but someone who's also struggled of late in Brad Tavares lost his last two. If he says that, I'm more interested. But when you start talking about, I'm, I'm right around the corner from making a run and you're two and five in your last seven fights, and all of those fights, all of those losses are stoppages, and the wins are Kelvin Gastelum in a fight where Kelvin Gastelum had you rocked, and Amari Akhmedov, I can't, I can't do it. Brad Tavares is technically sharp. He's a veteran. He's a sturdy dude. I think he goes out there and puts it on Chris Weidman. Unfortunately, I don't think Chris Weidman has it anymore. I think he's in that Tony Ferguson situation where the brain is telling you one thing. The body's going to tell us another on Saturday. I hope I'm wrong. Much like the Tony Ferguson fight with Bobby Green. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think I'm going to be. We stay at middleweight. Gregory Rodriguez versus Dennis Tiulian. My pick is Rodriguez. I don't have any plays. I think Robocop goes out here 
and puts it on the Russian. As I said on Wednesday, this fight for me is a who gets finished. I think it's going to be Tiulian. Rodriguez is one of those guys that's frustrating to watch as a fan when you know that he has very good wrestling and he has very good jujitsu because he just sticks those in his back pocket and says, yeah, but I like to throw hands. Now it's fun to watch from a just watch two dudes sling hammers at each other because that's what always happens when he's in there. That's what happened last time against Bruno Fajaya that led to him getting knocked out in the first round. But it's also what's led to some of his very good wins or exciting wins, I should say, inside the octagon. I think we get a good performance here. I think we get Robocop going forward, working behind the hands, landing big shots, getting Dennis Tiulian out of there. Tiulian is also a finisher, but he hasn't been beating even the level of competition that Gregory Rodriguez has. I side with the Brazilian. I think he comes out and has a good victory, gets himself moving in the right direction again, and we get a fun, entertaining finish midway through the midway through the prelims. We get two. The Ultimate Fighter, lightweight finale, Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Holobaugh. My pick here is Kurt Holobaugh. I'm going underdog. I'm going, I'm going Louisiana. I also am making my first wager here. 25 bucks on Holobaugh to finish at plus 300, which returns $100. So here's the rationale for me. Holobaugh has finished his last two, also finished both fights in the house and has only three career wins by decision. This isn't a dude that tends to go the distance. So if he's going to win, it's going to be, it's more than likely going to be a finish. Conversely, looking at the other side of it, Austin Hubbard is a guy that to me has always been hittable, isn't a dynamic athlete. He's more of a grinder and a plotter and a guy that's going to come forward and try to come forward and wrestle and clinch and do a little bit of everything. He's an all-rounder, right? He's a guy that does everything pretty okay, but nothing exceptionally well. And in a matchup like this against Holobaugh, I think it ends up turning out similar to his fight with Jason Knight in the house in the semifinals, where he can just press forward and be confident in his chin, his speed, and his power, and try to put it on Austin Hubbard and get him out of there relatively quickly. So for me, in a fight that feels like a bit of a toss-up, I'm going to go with the more veteran guy and the guy that has the greater possibility to finish. I'm going to lay 25 bucks on him to finish and see what happens. We roll the dice with the underdog and the finisher to start quick, go out, score an upset, earn himself a return to the UFC, and we go from there. Tough 31 bantamweight finale, Brad Katona versus Cody Gibson. A little bit of heat between these two. My pick is Brad Katona, where I think the lightweight fight has the potential to be very exciting. The bantamweight fight's probably going to be a snooze fest because Brad Katona is that dude and I don't begrudge it. I ain't got any issue with it. I am very much of the camp of, if you don't like me wrestling, stop me from wrestling. If you don't like me, staying in top position and roughing you up a little bit, but just being here, get yourself back up. I hate stand-ups. I hate breaking people off the fence. Brad Katona works to those positions where he gets Cody Gibson down and can be in top position. He should get to keep him until the round is over. 
and Cody Gibson then gets another chance to stand. Now, I think there can be some interesting interactions and interplays here because Cody Gibson is a good wrestler. He's a veteran dude. He should be the better striker, the more explosive overall guy. And Brad Catone is hittable. But I'm going to side with the 31-year-old from Winnipeg by way of Dublin or Dublin by way of Winnipeg to go out and just grind out a win. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a split decision where it's 29-28 across the board, 2-1 to Katona, and he makes history by being becoming the first person to win the Ultimate Fighter twice, and he does so by split decision, and everybody's like, great, this dude's back. I don't know that he's going to have some extended run in the UFC where it goes really well, because stylistically, he's not necessarily a guy that the UFC is going to bank on, build upon, be able to really showcase, because he is just that grinder but I think he can grind out a win over Cody Gibson. We go back to middleweight Andre Petrosky versus Gerald Mearshart in what I hope will be a grappling battle and what I think will probably end up being a little bit of everything. And my pick is Gerald Mearshart. Siding with the veteran here, this is sort of a little bit similar to the Hubbard and Holobot fight where I've been impressed with Andre Petrosky thus far, but not to the extent where I value him as the favorite against the guy that's got 50 fights that I've seen finish some quality UFC fighters. Now, Petrosky can crack a little bit. GM3 is hittable. So this could go sideways in a hurry. But my thought and my reliance and my siding with Mearshart here is that he's a pretty savvy dude. He's a pretty crafty dude. And Petrosky feels a little bit robotic and a little bit formulaic to me. He's just a big, burly grappler guy that could throw some hands a little bit. Like, it's not even it's not even that he could throw some hands. Like, he doesn't have crisp hands. He's got a little bit of power in his right hand. He's got, he's got good power in his right hand. I think GM3 is going to know that that's coming. I think he's going to sling a little bit himself. I think he's going to duck under for some takedowns and get to some spots where he can threaten and Mearshart's one of those dudes that he just needs a little opening. Doesn't need a lot for you to, to give, give up for him to go hunting neck, for him to go hunting to your back, for him to go hunting guillotine or Dars choke or whatever. He's finished a lot of people over the course of his career. And I think he can do the same against Petrosky, which is why second play of the day. And it's the first stack of the day. 25 bucks on GM3 on the money line at plus 187, returns $71.75. And then another 25 bucks on Mearshart to finish at plus 275, which feels like way too high of a number for a dude that when he wins, he finishes fights. That returns $93.75. So 50 out, 71.75 in if he wins for a $21.75 profit, 165.50 back if he wins by finish. 115.50 profit. I think this is a coin flip fight. I understand why it's shaded and siding with Petrosky. He's on a four-fight winning streak. He's looked he's looked very good in the UFC, but it's been against very limited competition. And I think Gerald Mearshart will be able to get the best of him. So we put 50 bucks down on GM3 and we see what happens. Two fights left, both on the women in the women's flyweight division. The first of those, Andrea Lee versus Natalia Silva. My pick is Natalia Silva. I think she is too dynamic 
for Andrea Lee. As much as I like what Lee brings to the table, I like who she is in this division. I think this is one of those fights where you see her limitations and you also see just how good Natalia Silva is. I think this is a perfect showcase opportunity for the Brazilian. She's going to give up a little bit of size and strength, but she should be able to win in terms of the speed and the volume and the effectiveness of her striking. She mixes things up well. She's got power. She hurts people. We've seen that. Trey's a blade of fight. We saw that last time out against Victoria Leonardo. Andrea Lee is hittable. She's somebody that slows down over the course of fights. And so even if she starts well and gets out to a lead, I still think Natalia Silva can rally back and claw her way back into the fight and get herself a victory. I think she should. I think she will show out. I think she goes out and beats Andrea Lee in a fashion that we all come away going, okay, this, this lady is for real. This woman is the goods. Get her in the top 15. Get her included in that pack of ascending talents in this division and get her another big fight. I don't know that she finishes. Andrea Lee has not been finished inside the octagon as of yet. I don't know for sure that that changes on Saturday, obviously. I don't think it does. I think this ends up being a fight where Natalia Silva wins on the cards. But I, I, I think she wins pretty handily. And I think it's another show out opportunity for Natalia Silva. I don't have any plays here. I think the line is a little bit too rich in favor of Natalia Silva because this is a big step up from facing Jasmine Jazdavicius, Teresa Bleda, and, and Victoria Leonardo. And so we've just stayed away. Just want to sit and watch my girl compete. Want to get another read of her. Want to get another look and enjoy it. Opening fight of the night, still in the flyweight division, Karina Silva versus Marina Moros. My pick is Karina Silva. Much like I think Natalia Silva is the goods, I think the same of Karina Silva. And she's a little bit older, a little bit behind, but maybe only a step. Maybe only a little, little bit. Really loved the performance against Ketlin Souza. Really loved the second half of the opening round in her first fight against Poliana Batelio once she got settled in and started letting go of her hands and playing to some of her strengths. I think we see here against Marina Morose, who is somebody that kind of likes to hunt and peck from the outside, right? She's one of these athletes that would be just outside of range the whole time. Now, maybe that has changed in the last few fights, but historically, she hasn't been somebody that really dives into the fire. I think Karini Silva is going to be able to impose her will on Marina Morose in this fight. She did a little bit in their first fight nine years ago, and Morose was able to get to spots where she's throwing up arm bars and eventually caught one in the first round. I think Karina Silva has obviously grown since then, become a better fighter since then. And I think we will see her press forward, close the distance, put this on the ground, and then she's just going to get to work. And Marina Morose is solid on the ground, but I think Karina Silva is like, two steps, three steps ahead of her on the canvas and goes out and gets a finish. And so as such, 50 bucks on on Karine Silva to finish at plus 175 returns $137.50. And then 25 bucks on Silva to finish in round one at plus 425 returns $131.25. 75 bucks out, $137.50 if she wins for a $62.50 profit. 268.75 
if she wins in round one for a $193.75 profit. She's finished both of her fights in the UFC. They've both been first round finishes. The last one was more dominant than the first one. I think she can get another finish. I will not be surprised if it is in the first round. I think that plus 425, excuse me, first round finish prop is a number that you will see more people going after tomorrow or today as they release their, their bets. It's one that I think people should, like if I wanted to be, if I was feeling crazy, I would hammer that a little more. Because that feels like this is what we've seen. There's no reason. There's nothing that tells me it can't happen. So it would be something that I would be chasing. If I was making real wagers, that would certainly be one that I put a little bit of money on because greater than four to one for something that has happened 100% of the time in the UFC feels like a, feels like a wager that's worth making. Before we wrap, as always, favorite part of these shows, the punch drunk prediction parlays. As always, we do a main card parlay, a prelims parlay, and a full card parlay. Just in case all of these picks that I gave you, everybody gets their hand raised. We've got a little wager together to get some money back into the wallet, back into the bank account, get us moving forward. So on the main card, Aljamain Sterling, Zhang Weili, Ian Machado Gary, Mario Batista, Marlon Vera. $10 parlay, combined odds of plus 373, returns $47.30. That is a chalk parlay. That is favorite, 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 favorite. We got nothing, nothing lower than like minus 250. These are all solid, sizable favorites. Hence the low combined odds, hence the low return. But I tell you what, I will take a $37 profit. If we go five for five on the main card, I'll take that $37 profit and be happy. On the prelims, Brad Tavares, Gregory Rodriguez, Kurt Holabaugh, Brad Katona, Gerald Mearshart, Natalia Silva, Karine Silva. $10 parlay combined odds of plus 3,967 for a return of $406.88 couple underdogs in there and Holobon and Mearshart, a couple solid favorites, a couple closer lines in terms of Karine Silva and the Brad Katona fight as well. We went perfect through the prelims a couple weeks back in Nashville. We'll see if we can do it again here and turn 10 bucks into 400 bucks. That would put us up for the day. That would be a nice little bump. That would be a nice little increase. If we hit the prelim parlay, it means we hit the other wagers as well. So it's been a great day. And then the main card can just be fun. Brings us to the full card parlay. Aljo, Zhang Weili, Ian Machado Gary, Mario Batista, Cheeto Vera, Brad Tavares, Robocop, Kurt Holliba, Brad Katona, GM3, and the Silva sisters who aren't actually sisters. $10 parlay combined odds of plus 19,134 for a return of $1,923.47. This is one of the lower totals that we've gotten, payouts that we've gotten for a full card parlay since I've been back here on Kimura doing this. But same as always, if we turn 10 bucks into nearly two grand, come on now, your boy will be here. It means we've hit everything. It means we've run the table, not only in the picks, but in the wagers as well. So we'll be up over two grand earned for the, for the weekend. That'll put us back in the, in the black for the year since we've been back to 
back here to Keyboard Kimura. And I will be back here next Friday being all kinds of happy as we set out some picks for UFC Singapore, which is going to kick off bright and early. Not even bright and early, dark and early next Saturday morning here on the West Coast of Canada. I appreciate you guys checking in. I hope you enjoyed the 292 picks and plays. We'll see. We'll start looking ahead at some of those lines, see what we can do. Not sure if we'll go back to two shows or one. Let me know. I'm always open to hearing what you guys think. If you like it as one program, it's easier to consume as just one. I'm not clogging up your inbox or your podcast feed with two shows on Friday. Let me know. I'm I'm a man of the people. I'm here for you guys. I appreciate it. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Hit up the folks that I told you earlier, One Bone, the Substack. Follow me on Twitter and IG. It's UFC 292, baby. We're here. We're finally here. We're ready to go tomorrow. I'm excited. I hope you are as well. Enjoy your fight. Enjoy the fights. Best of luck with your wagers. Have a great weekend. Be good to yourselves. Be good to one another. Know that you're loved. We'll talk to you Sunday.